Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Fluent Talks. It's Andrea here. Of course, uh, Matt promised us he was going to be back, and he bailed, as we thought. And Andrew is having fun in Jamaica, so good for him. However, I'm really, really excited. I have an awesome guest with us today. One of my favorite people, Marcus Mafucci. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So... Um, let's start. Let's tell a little bit about people who you are. Where are you from? Well, I was born in Connecticut where I learned math, which was really important because Is I Connecticut math different than great math. Okay. Got it. Great math. Uh, and I grew up in Maine. I moved to Maine when I was about 10 years old and grew up in which I didn't have to learn new math for four years because I learned it before. So. <laughs> got it. That's yeah. why we get that. We go back to the math. Yeah. Maine boy. Maine boy, but Connecticut math. Yeah. Very nice. Where in Maine? I grew up in Bar Harbor, which is in Acadia National Park, or right around it. I have never been, but I hear that it's beautiful. It is. It's it's a special place. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. And where else have you lived after Maine? After, well, I I went to college in Virginia. Okay. And then after college, I lived in Florida for a bit, uh, which was interesting. And then... How is the math in Florida? Terrible. (laughs) And then I moved to (laughs) Manhattan. I lived here and in Hoboken for about 10 years. Okay. And now I live in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. A place I know very well. Yeah. That's awesome. So which of all these places have been your favorite? Uh, f- well, it's been interesting for me because I've lived in them in very different times of my life. I think growing up in the woods was awesome. Yes. Living in Manhattan as a young, unattached adult is also awesome. With enough money to actually spend on drinks versus you know begging people <laughs> for f- spare change was fun. And you know now, now that we have a house and a kid, you know being in the burbs of Bucks County is also it's cool. a pretty nice place to live. Very. That's great. Um, so you have a kid now, and you said you love working up, growing up in the woods. What are some of your most vivid, like childhood memories? Vivid childhood memories. Um, when well, I don't know if I was necessarily a child, but in high school, we used to, in the winter time, go ice fishing every winter. Ooh, me and my friends, and we would, when it was cold enough, drive the cars out onto the ice and actually drag race each other on the lakes. Super safe. Very safe. Um, this is on the list of things I will tell my child to never do because they're just reckless. Would you, why would you even tell him that he did that? Yeah, I think. What's your philosophy there, a right? Strategy. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm not going to bring it up. Exactly. And I hope his his imagination isn't as dark and troubling as mine. I, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> so ice fishing and drag racing on, on the ice. And you survived all those years, so that's pretty good. That was our winter activity in the summer. We played, played golf every day and went hiking, which was pretty cool. Sounds glorious. Yeah. Uh, how old is your kid now? A year and a half-ish? He, yeah, a year and a half. But he's already showing signs of being an outdoorsy boy, too. He's an outdoors guy. Amazing. He goes to the door and pulls at it like a dog asking to go outside for a walk. And That's incredible. Yeah, he just wants to run around outside, push push the wheelbarrows around, jump in the pool, and just be 
covered in dirt. I guess you'll find out this winter how much he likes the ice and if he tries to bring his trucks out on the ice. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be <laughs> fun to see how he negotiates zero friction surfaces <laughs> as a walker. <laughs> That's amazing. So uh, how, being a newer parent, how has that changed you? I thought it, I thought I knew what it was like to be tired, but I didn't. Mm, new so levels of being new tired. New levels of just perpetual grogginess. Okay. That's, that's been a twist. What do you do to combat that? Or can you even? I mean, uh, you essentially just have to sleep like you're a child and try to log eight and a half, nine hours every night or when you can. Oh, in a row, I was going to say, or yeah. like just, just fall on the floor and or sleep when whenever you naps, can. You got a nap. Now, the slow drip of caffeine of, of green tea throughout the day helps. That's yeah, no, I, I get that. That's that's really good. Um, so, do you do you have any pets? We do not. No, that's too enough with a kid. That's, that's too much. Did you have pets growing up? We had a cat when I was a kid, but we weren't never really pet people. Pet people. I get that. Yeah. Does your kid like animals? Yes, he is very much into the woof woofs, as he calls them, <laughs> as they walk by the house. That's pretty adorable. Yeah. That's, that's pretty adorable. Um, so switch it up a little random question. If you could travel back in time, which time period would you go to? Oh, man. That's a, that's a good one. I think I would... I would I would go back to the early 1900s and I would visit the Wright brothers as they were negotiating how to build the first airplane. When you say negotiating, what do you mean? Well, you know, it was more of a head-to-head -head fight with the winds of Kittery, North Carolina, not so much an elegant flying, <laughs> but like a battle of... Can I jump off of this cliff and stay up up long <laughs> enough? And there was no propellant. You know, it was a glider. Yeah. So they were negotiating the the winds that they had they found and researched <laughs> from Ohio. I think that that's pretty cool that two brothers were able to outmaneuver and be smarter than a, a team of government sponsored scientists. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And they got they got totally screwed in the grand scheme of things because they'd never got their patent for the airplane and spent their only the only money they ever had trying to fight for the patents. And I think they ended up. I didn't know that story. That's that's no, wild. I'm pretty sure that's right. But you can, I mean, well, you it's now check. right. We said it on this podcast, <laughs> so it's all facts, one hundred percent. Pure, pure facts. Well, we I, we were just talking about this prior to the podcast, but I think another good time period that we were just discussing was just like, you know, maybe like 40 years ago when the world wasn't ending and everything was melting and sharks weren't attacking the coast of New York. I think I would like to be at least our age back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good time period. I would say, you know, there was some troubles in the in the late 70s with inflation, with a much different climate than we have now. Yes. But that, it was, it's a pretty my good parents time. had a pretty good string of decent stability in the world before. Do we think that is a generation, like all, when you take a step back and all in all, 
could that have been the peak? Was that the peak of like best quality of life? I think I think generations actually are cyclical in what they try to accomplish and like um, you know, war periods are followed by peace or followed by kind of stretching for, you know, idyllic life and then things happen and then there's kind of conflict again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's definitely like you as the current generation are shaped by what happened before you yep and there's kind of momentum up or down but never sideways i think okay you know following the it's always just keeps yeah, moving around perpetual human nature to, to overshoot what we actually want just based on what's happening though it sounds like the peaks may not get as high we're anymore on the, we're in a dr the droughts or like yes the down drought, down drought. of uh, yes. a much simpler time <laughs> oh man yeah my, you know your parents are like i walk to school every by day. myself Up, uphill both ways like dad i got sharks trying the, to eat literally me it's beach. 120 degrees in new york and we can't go to the beach because there's sharks <laughs> you know just classic uh buildings are melting in europe People are melting. And yeah. <laughs> so. No air conditioning, 148 degrees in, no, in Europe. It's crazy. Oh, my goodness. That is wild. Well, starting a little bit more about what do you do here at Fluent? We've teased uh, your love for numbers <laughs> at the beginning of this podcast. Tell us a little bit about your professional journey and how, how you ended up in this place. Yeah, so I had no intention of being involved in marketing or a marketing company in any capacity okay. in my adolescence. So when you were a kid and you were ice fishing, you weren't thinking just like, I cannot wait to be a marketer. Yeah, no, no absolutely <laughs> not. I think it Did was, you want to be a pilot with the Wright Brothers? Pilot was, pilot was always there. Astronaut was always there. Astronaut is a good one. I mean, that's like that was like the coolest job when you were a kid. Of course. So elite. Yeah. Um, astronaut, pilot... You know, ambitions of being a C-minus professional golfer was always mm -hmm. on the table. You know, I didn't want to be famous. Just wanted to get be by, good. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be chill. And Go then, ahead. you know, that moved into ambitions of being in finance. You know, that was what I was... Was it just you were driving back to Connecticut, your math came back I into your so. body, and you were like, yes, All these finance. rich people work in New York City in finance. Maybe I should do that. I should do that. It seems like pr pretty sweet gig very nice so so where did you start so you what did you study in college uh economics and physics oh wow just Math. very light subjects yeah really really something you can just kick back on a saturday morning crack open Free a textbook swag. and uh, a latte and just relax and just go to town <laughs> uh all right so we graduated what year give us a let's paint the picture you're the same as me 2008 2000 no four Eight. We started college. four. College, two thousand eight. Two thousand nine. Nine. Two thousand nine. Graduated right during the Great Recession. Yep. It's actually kind of interesting to study in college. My econ professors were having a field day. Like, oh my god, this this is unprecedented. All the case studies. Yes, <laughs> and it was pretty comical. It was like. All of us were just looking at each other like, well, there's no way we're getting jobs when we graduate, right? Let's stay another year. Let's stay another year. <laughs> like, should I fail this on purpose? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people just went to grad school to kick to the just down the field. Cause well, they didn't want yeah. I, we talked about this, I think, when we interviewed Mikey before. I graduated 2008 into fashion, also just 
same kind of field as physics. What a money grab that Such was. Such a huh? money grab. Uh, and held on to my $20,000 job for my life because that's yeah. the only thing that was going to be available. Seriously. Yeah. All right. So we graduated 2009. You come straight to New York? Well, I lived in Florida for that. Oh, you lived in Florida. And what was happening in Florida? I worked for Citibank. Okay. In this fascinating compound of humanity. It was about 15,000 people in this like sprawling campus. And the rooms were like football field rooms of just open cubicles of people. That's terrifying. It's um, like that show Severance. Yeah. Yeah. And we were all there doing the same thing, which was tracking uh, fraud and money laundering in the banking system. Wow. Okay. How long did you do that for? About two years. Okay. Yeah. And then what's... Then we came here. And I started working for Fluent after that. I was poached from my my uh, utopia of... Utopia of numbers. And you came straight to New York, came to Fluent. Fluent had been around for how long at that point? You were one of the original members of this company. I mean, I think I came in December, and I think they started in August of that year, 2010. Wow. So there weren't, there were maybe like 20 of us, I think. That's a dozen, two dozen, kind of. That's pretty early. And then, so what were you doing when you first started at Fluent? Mostly just kind of helping to operate the websites and ads that we had at the time. So just, you know, kind of an admin role, an operational okay. role. S- studying some of the, you know, basic performance of our advertisements and then working with Matt and Ryan to understand the advertiser and kind of publisher side of the business. But nice. from the beginning, it was the the intersection of, you know, clients and, you know, end users from the start. Very nice. Uh, and now, so fast forward, we've been, now what, what tenure are you in? So you're saying you're going to be about 12 years here. Yeah. And That's terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, clearly it's marketing just took you and you still are here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the business obviously has evolved a lot. Significantly. Years. I think I can still. Talk about cycles. Yeah. I mean. A hundred, I mean, must have grown the business 100x, 150x from when I started. That's a very impressive, which is crazy. But the mechanics of it are still fundamentally the same, right? We use data to create an ad experience and try to get people to sign up for amazing products and services from our brand partners. Amazing. Now, our brand partners are just more and more elite and pretty fantastic. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And I would say our experiences are much, much more exciting as well. Yeah. Yeah, they've come a long way. We've we've learned a lot. Um, we've, we've been surprised a lot by how e- humans use the internet and also how robots use, use the, the internet. internet. <laughs> we went through a cycle there where we were working with uh, search partners, so Yahoo uh-huh. Search, Google Search, and that's a big part of their business is identifying and eliminating non-human activity from their ad networks. Wow. Yeah. That's something they don't talk about on their earnings calls. Yeah. But it's, it's a problem. Every major platform like Snapchat, yep. and Google, and TikTok deal with 
all the robots. Fake users it even this morning. I heard that Amazon is suing Facebook groups. No way, because of fake or they there's this whole business in which people pay these Facebook groups to leave fake yes. five star reviews on Amazon. Thousands of dollars and this whole bot economy costs us hundreds of billions of dollars every year in kind of lost economic activity. It's pretty I would like to think there's one robot just collecting that money somewhere. Just one. Building an army. Yeah, one mega robot. Did you watch Futurama? Oh, yeah. Do you remember? What was the old lady robot? The, uh, the queen? Yeah. That's, that's exactly who I'm imagining, uh, just like sitting on a pile of, of robot money. Uh, well, but even Elon Musk is trying to use the robots to get out of a small deal he tried to make a couple weeks ago. So Yeah, he's, yeah, he's using it. As his, as his way out. As his case of way out, there's too much fraudulent activity on Twitter. I think he's real reason he has too many kids. He just found out he has too many kids that I cannot take on Twitter. He is a <laughs> very peculiar person. Very peculiar person. It's interesting. Um, he's built some amazing businesses. Tesla and SpaceX are amazing businesses, but for other things, he's just... A peculiar is a fantastic word to describe him. A fascinating individual. You know, Matt Conlon was actually the one who came up with the best thesis of why Elon Musk is the way he is. Please enlighten us for those. I haven't heard anything that I think is more plausible than the fact that Elon Musk is a time traveler from the future who came back to present day. His spaceship broke, so he can't get back. And now all he's doing is telling people to build the things that he knows exist in the future. He actually can't do anything. He just saw it. He just was somebody, he was just a normal person from the future who knew that we had electric cars and spaceships and solar panels and that he's just convincing everybody he's a prophet when he's just a defunct time traveler. That's really, that's that's really funny. One day that he will be, Matt Collin will be proven, right? I'm sure of it. One day, I mean, listen, it's working for him. That's a pretty pretty good racket he's running, if that's the case. Uh, do you think, with that theory, once he is going to try to go back to the future, I guess that's the phrase of what you say it? Well, yeah, once he gets to enough, is that you think that's his ultimate goal? Well, that is that is the, the time traveler dilemma. Do I go right. back to my time or yeah. do I become king of the, the current past, time. right? But then he ages, and then when you age, you like try to go back even further, so then you're young again, and you continue with your racket? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know My brain just broke. Yeah. I think it's that's too it's too tough. It. It's too we too we should have gone, I should have gone coffee, not a tea. That's like too <laughs> hard. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's really great. So I think especially with newer startups and companies and uh, different economies like with digital marketing and whatnot, what are your thoughts in, and even somebody like you that you went to school for finance and now you're a completely different business. How do you think about formal education and like, is it worth it? Business school, is it worth it? How do you think, what, what do you tell the youth? Well, for business school, my position is very straightforward. 100% not worth it. Okay. Do not go to business school. Do not school. go to business school. Not worth your time or money at all. Uh, I care to elaborate any further. I have several friends, very close friends, uh, who 
have helped me craft this position, including my stepbrother, who for all intents and purposes is one of the smartest people I know. Okay. He studied, he went to Princeton and studied this ridiculous undergrad, which is basically a mix of advanced mathematics and computer science. Uh-huh. And it's training to be able to basically create derivatives and the actual computers required to build stock markets is, is, a, is a way the, la- the layman can think about it. Okay. And then went to grad school, went to Wharton. And at the end of it, he realized that all he did was learn. He spent another $150,000 to learn accounting. Oh, my right? gosh. It's, and it's great it's cr- for some of the people that you can meet. It's a networking thing. Yep. But there are other ways to find people and network with and you know fast track your career you don't need to do it you don't need to spend that much money actually you could probably do it while you're earning that kind of money by going to the right type of organization yeah so don't i don't discount the how important relationships are to building your career or businesses right small businesses it's crucial that you have the right vendors and partners and relationships to get that that going but education for for me, outside of that, is is really learning about the fundamentals of math and science and writing. Yes, I think are very important. Um, and learn and for as an individual, it, you need to learn how you learn. This was something that was taught to me by uh, a high school physics teacher. Yeah, he said ninety nine percent of what you learn in high school is completely useless, but you need to know how you process and learn information when you go to college. So then you so that can you are, be successful. you have the tools to learn throughout your life. And I subscribe by that. That's a 100%. great piece of advice. Yeah. So I go into every everything since then. I've said, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. I've never experienced anything like this before, but that's okay. I know how I need to process information and figure it out. And that's, that. that's how I wrote my product manager handbook at Fluent, which you open it up and it just says, figure it out. <laughs> it's a nice blank page. It's with self-published, very self-published too. It's still in print, though, 10 years later. Yeah. We're just t- 12th year anniversary, 12th edition. Oh, maybe we do a hardbound edition yeah. for the anniversary. Put it on Amazon, my, my first ebook. figure it out. Uh, that's, that's very nice. Um, so let me ask you, if money was not in the equation, would you have followed a different career path? Probably. What, why do you think? You yeah. Have? I mean, I think... That's something that you should think about also while you're working. Correct. If you are in a position in which money is no longer as important, what do you want to pivot to? Mm-hmm. I think for me, I go back. I actually have a list. I wrote this down a couple summers ago, like Ooh. what I would do for work if I if money was not an option. Yes. And I think for me, that one of the tops of the list was camp counselor and like golf coach and just playing sports with kids on a perpetual basis and like just being 15 years old forever would be pretty fun. Do you know what's hilarious? That's Andrew's almost exact answer to basketball. Oh, there you go. See, (laughs) I think, you know, just like gym class every day for the rest of my life. That is so funny. That's pretty cool. I like that. No, I don't. Kids don't play sports and exercise anymore. It's terrifying. Yeah. I'm not a kid person. I'm I'm big into the, the cognitive, uh, benefits of adolescent just being exercise outside. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of good science around that too i believe that you gotta be outside you gotta move around kids just yeah, move your butt man move your butt it's, it's the best <laughs> piece of advice this is a clip this is the uh, name of the episode move your butt man <laughs> um so 
do you think that's actually a great transition? Like, do you think overall, not just for kids, technology has increased human happiness or decreased it overall? Um, I think directly technology has decreased happiness, but has improved the quality of life for the majority of, of humanity. Yes. I mean, just the internet and cell phones alone, I think have really changed things. And talk going back to education, now somebody in a third world country with access to the internet can get a Harvard education for free. Absolutely. And that's that's pretty incredible. Yes. That's it's opened up a lot of opportunities. But when you think about actually happiness, do you think the overload of information and opportunity has actually made us less happy? Yeah, I do. And I also think that with uh, social media and gaming and all the online interactions, that becomes your source of kind of feedback. Yes. Or am I having a good or bad moment or day? And people don't spend enough time thinking about like, well, what's actual more sustained happiness? How, how did I feel this summer, right? The fo- on the longer time frame, except yeah. for just that one second yeah, like, that I you know, if, When captured. I was a kid, we went up to Maine for a couple summers to visit my cousins. And right. I have memories of the totality of the summer being an amazing experience. Yes. And that's, I don't know if people have that long a view into, into happiness. As oh, that's a really great point. Because we're just like thinking about those specific yeah, snapshot moments. Your cell phone is a dopamine mechanic that you check 158 times a day looking for little shots of dopamine to like get you through the grind (laughs) so sad we're like the little hamsters just waiting for a pallet (laughs) we might be the predominant species but we're no better than a rat in a maze just looking for a hit of cheese just a little pallet um all right when we're trying to look for happiness how do you unwind after work i so I think for me, I you know I like to just sit outside at the end of the day, uh, have a glass of wine or a beer uh, in a peaceful moment before I go get my kid from daycare. Just s- serene. Just absorb it to silence. Just one moment of <laughs> just the only thing I hear is the trees and the wind and and the birds. Um, and on the weekends, you know, we like to we like to get outside and go for hikes and walks and. Active and nature. Nature is play play golf as much as I can. Yes, very nice. Very nice. Nature is really one of the biggest healers and very, very important. It's a little hard that uh, she's 110 degrees right now and will not allow us to be outside. But I think this is how we should wrap it up. This is our advice for this weekend. People get outside, even if it's only for a short time. Uh, Marcus, thank you for coming here. Stay hydrated out there. Stay hydrated. We out. Subscribe to the latest episode of Fluent Talks at fluenttalks.co. That's fluenttalks.co.